you are listening to Sean of the South, and I'm your host tonight, Sean Dietrich. And we are coming to you from Northwest Florida. I want to say Merry, Merry Christmas. What you're about to hear is our Christmas episode. We usually do live Christmas performances throughout the Southeast, and they're always good fun for our Christmas episode. We have music and laughter and singing and storytelling, but this year was very different in light of the COVID crisis. This year, I put on four private performances for tiny crowds, socially distanced, all wearing masks and using liberal amounts of jug hand sanitizer from Sam's Wholesale. What you're about to hear is some of that recorded footage and recordings that have been done with me and Aaron Peters, Billy Howell, and Steve Gilmore. It bears mentioning that at the performance in Pensacola, Florida, at Live Oak Plantation, about five hours before the live performance was about to begin, just before we went in for rehearsal, the band who was scheduled to back me up that night discovered that one of their band members had been exposed to COVID-19 and had to withdraw from the performance. And so... With little time to scramble and find a solution, I called some of my friends. I called Aaron Peters first in Montgomery, Alabama, who dropped what he was doing and came all the way to Pensacola. I called Steve Gilmore next in Panama City Beach, who dropped what he was doing and came all the way over to Pensacola. And I called Billy Howell, guitarist, who was in Daphne, Alabama at the time and dropped what he was doing, left his daughter's final basketball game of the season to join me at Live Oak Plantation in Pensacola, Florida. These are good friends, good friends, and they made my Christmas all the richer because of it. You're about to hear something that we love doing every year, and even though this year it was a little bit different and a little bit hampered, it still was a Merry Christmas. Before we kick off this show, I'd like to introduce you to that wonderful fiddle player, Aaron Peters, who is going to be playing a Christmas medley that he and Caleb Riley put together.
Dashing through the snow In a one horse open sleigh O'er the fields we go Laughing all the way Bills on Bob tearing Making spirits bright What fun it is to ride And sing the sleighing song tonight Jingle bells, jingle bells Jingle all the way Oh, what fun it is to ride In one horse open sleigh Jingle bells, jingle bells Jingle all the way Oh, what fun it is to ride In one horse open sleigh Well, you are listening to Sean of the South I'm your host tonight, Sean Deach. We are coming to you live via the podcast airwaves and the live stream airwaves all over this fine nation. Here from Live Oak Plantation in Pensacola, Florida. This episode brought to you by Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Northwest Florida, Changing West Florida, one relationship at a time. Let's sing it one more time here, guys. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in one horse open sleigh. Brought to you by Midnight Shift Coffee, the official coffee of the Pensacola Police Department, the coffee that gives you the get up and go, to go up and get that get up and go you're going to get. A buck from each bag goes to support the Riley Foundation, which helps support children with childhood cancer. Go visit MidnightShiftCoffee.com. Let's sing it one more time. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Mm, oh, what fun it is to ride in one horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. What fun it is to ride in a one horse open. Come on, Aaron, play us a little bit. Jingle bells, My turn. Let me give it a shot here. Come on. Just call it there. Oh, my, my goodness. Well, we are pleased to be coming to you here for this Christmas podcast. It is a true pleasure being here with you. I love singing those songs. I love singing those songs, especially that song. You know, that song was written in the 1800s by a fella from Savannah, Georgia. Of all places, he was from Savannah, Georgia, and uh, uh, fought in the Civil War. This wasn't even supposed to be a Christmas song. He wrote that, and uh, it, it has endured the ages just like many of the fruitcakes which were manufactured about a thousand years ago and are still in circulation within the U.S. mail. 
We have a nice show uh, here for you tonight, uh, and we are privileged to be here with you. I want you to know that uh, this episode also brought to you by Case Knives, a tradition of my family dating back to my granddaddy. He once said the best cure for idle hands was to build something. So keep your hands sharp with the Case Knife. We're going to play you a song, me and my good buddy, Aaron Peters, who is playing this biscuit box fiddle with, uh, like a man with his hair on fire, really. We have been working on this particular song for a good while. It's not the easiest of Christmas songs, but most importantly, on a live podcast, uh, it is public domain, meaning that we do not have to pay anybody royalties for this song. So without further delay... No Oh 
It gave great light, and so it continued both day and night. Eighteen ninety-seven was when a man named M. Lofton founded a news weekly called the Pensacola News Journal. And here are some of the headlines from that initial year, the Pensacola News Journal. Uh, in April, the headline read: "Boston Marathon, first Boston Marathon is run with fifteen men competing." Uh, one of the summer headlines read: "The Tennessee Centennial Exposition opens in Nashville for six months, illuminated." by actual electric lights. Another headline ran, American miners in Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Tennessee, and Kentucky began a strike, which unsuccessfully, but eventually successfully, established the United Mine Workers Union and brought about eight-hour workdays instead of 48-hour shifts. Uh, in July, one of the headlines read, Klondike Gold Rush Begins. <laughs> uh, another article in 1897 uh, was from Mark Twain responding to widespread rumors that, that said his death, which was reported in the New York Journal, was a broad exaggeration, he said. <laughs> and, of course, in August... Thomas Edison is granted a patent for the kinetoscope, which would later become the modern-day movie and film projector. And, and, in 1897, an eight-year-old little girl named Virginia O'Hanlon wrote a letter to the editor of the New York Sun, and a quick response was printed in an unsigned editorial on September the 24th by veteran newsman Francis Farcellus Church. Try to say that name five times fast. This has since become the most reprinted newspaper editorial in history. It's the subject of movies and books and editorials. It is on posters and stamps and even on podcasts. Here is that letter. Dear editor, I am eight years old. And some of my little friends say there is no Santa Claus. Papa says, if you see it in the sun, the New York sun, it will be so. So please tell me, is there a Santa Claus? Love, Virginia Hanlon, 115 West 95th Street. Francis Church replied. Uh, Francis Church replied. Dear Virginia, your little friends are wrong. They've been affected by skepticism of a skeptical age. They do not believe except they see. They think nothing can be which is not comprehensible by their little minds. And all minds, Virginia, whether they be men's or children's, are little. 
And this great universe of ours, man, is a mere insect, ant, in his intellect, and as compared with the boundless world about him, is measured by the intelligence of capable, grasping the whole of truth and knowledge. Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. He exists as certainly as love and generosity and devotion exist. And you know that they abound and give to your life its highest beauty and joy. Alas, how dreary would be the world if there were no Santa Claus. It would be as dreary as if there were no Virginias. There would be no childlike faith, no poetry, no romance to make tolerable this existence. We should have no enjoyment except in sense and sight. The eternal light with which childhood fills the world would be extinguished. Huh, not believe in Santa Claus? Well, you might as well not believe in fairies. You might get your papa to hire men to watch in all the chimneys on Christmas Eve to catch Santa Claus, but even they did not see Santa Claus coming down. What would that prove? Nobody sees Santa Claus, but that is no sign that there is no Santa Claus. The most real things in the world are those that neither children nor men can see. Did you ever see fairies dancing on the lawn? Of course not. But that's no proof that they're not there. Nobody could conceive or imagine all the wonders there are unseen and unseeable in this world. You may tear apart the baby's rattle and see what makes the noise inside, but there is a veil covering the unseen world, which not the strongest man nor even the united strength of all the strongest men that ever lived could tear apart. Only faith, fancy, poetry, love, and romance can push aside that curtain and view and picture the supernal beauty and glory beyond. Is it all real? Ah, Virginia, in all this world there is nothing else so real and abiding. No Santa Claus? Thank God he lives. He lives forever. A thousand years from now. Virginia, nay, ten times ten thousand years from now, he will continue to make glad the heart of childhood.
Appreciate that rousing. Appreciate you uh, being here tonight too, and everybody who's tuning in for this uh, glorified slow motion train wreck. We appreciate it very much. <laughs> I want to thank you too, uh, especially. I'd like to thank uh, the children who have been watching, listening, and I'd like to thank them for keeping me on my toes with some interesting letters in this <laughs> this past pandemic. One such letter was sent to me by eight-year-old Anna from Ann Arbor, Michigan, who asked me just a few days ago what I believe the true meaning of Christmas is. The true meaning of Christmas. Well, I'm telling you, I can't answer this question. You see, I grew up in a, in a fundamentalist community, okay? And we were the only school that had a nativity that was strictly adhering to all of the church denominational practices. And what I mean by that is, for instance, we always sang a song uh, together. The finale of our, of our performance, the nativity, was that we'd all hold hands, <laughs> cast members, everybody, would hold hands and we would sing Silent Night at the end of the performance. We would sing it in three different languages. We'd start in German because our fourth grade teacher, Miss Everhart, was of German ancestry and so am I. My people were all German. My name, if you go to some places, is Sean Dietrich. We would often sing it in Mexican. Which is not the same as Spanish. There are different inflections. If you don't believe me, just turn it on to Univision and you will hear them speak in a different cadence. We had three Mexican missionaries who were from Mexico <laughs> and they would, uh, they would lead us in, in the Spanish rendition, the Mexican rendition, and then we would sing it in a mixture of Japanese, Swahili, and Pig Latin because our school was also filled with many Pentecostals. We did this every year. We would sing, we would sing Silent Night. It was, a, it was a stirring performance. Now, our church nativity plays were very, very interesting affairs, okay? Back in that time, and I'm speaking to Anna here in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, back in that time, we had nativity plays that were solely casted 
as children, okay? The, the, uh, the idea of a nativity play with adults in it would just be downright weird. There was always, always children, a cast of entirely made up of children because fundamentalist people you see, Southern Baptists, Methodists, free will Baptists, which have no free will at all, enjoyed watching six, seven, and eight-year-olds put on fake beards and recite scripture that was comprised mainly of Middle English and hold live squirming babies in swaddling clothes and putting on the actual second chapter of Luke. Now, the trimming of Christmas, as communicated to me by Miss Everhart, was a little unclear at first. But eventually I started to pick up on it and I, I realized that the true meaning of Christmas does involve, in fact, not using shepherd's crooks for sword fights. We did a lot of sword fighting when I was a kid uh, with the shepherd's crooks because there were six shepherds and uh, only two had speaking lines. Uh, I was shepherd number two. That was my official name. The only two shepherds who spoke were shepherd number one and shepherd number two. The other five were just kind of like, or four were just kind of like the three stooges. They just sat back there and looked around. We were also known as the Peevler's Filling Station Little League team, really. We were boys who had our own aroma, and the only reason we were there, to be quite honest, was because of Mary. Now, Mary was Christina Moss. She was the prettiest fourth grader in five counties. And rumor had it that she was going to be taking care of Miss Everhart's two-year-old niece who would be playing the Christ child. And so we all wanted to be a part of that. As my cousin Ed Lee used to put it, Christina Moss was so pretty I'd crawl across and see a broken glass to listen to her belch on the phone. <laughs> and so we joined up. We were in this, this church nativity, and it was, it was really the highlight of my year, but really I wanted to be Joseph. I wanted to walk down the aisle with Christina Moss wearing her blue, carrying Ms. Everhart's two-year-old niece. I wanted to put my arm around her and sway back and forth as moved by the Holy Spirit. But I was cast as a shepherd. It could have been worse, Anna, from Ann Arbor, Michigan. It could have been worse. I could have been cast as one of the vegetables or fruits. We were the only church, I'm sorry, the only school around who had a, a full collection of fruits and vegetables at the birth of Christ. We had apples, we had bananas, we had oranges, we had grapes. The grape costume had these purple balloons and somewhere along the way, uh, the balloons had been deflated. And so whoever was awarded the costume of the grape person was simply known hereafter as girl in purple leotard. That was it, you'd see a banana and an apple and orange and just a girl walking down behind them like Jane Fonda in her workout attire. And so we had this Fruit of Loom ad on our stage. <laughs> and I really, really wanted to be Joseph. I don't think I've ever wanted a role as much as I wanted to be Joseph. The only role I could have coveted more was the role in our church 4th of July production, American Heroes of the Faith, and I really wanted to play Oral Roberts. This isn't going the way I thought it would. I had something tender in mind, but yes, well, 
Miss Everhart did everything. She was just the quintessential director. She was also assistant director. She was associate assistant director and assistant director to the producer. She was a cell block warden, leader of executions, disciplinarian, and responsible for changing the diaper of the Christ child. <laughs> she was props manager, set designer, and she was, she was, when she'd see us, you know, sword fighting with the shepherd's crook, she would come to us very gently, and she would remind us that she was married to a taekwondo instructor, just in case we got out of hand. Now, my part as shepherd number two was to stand with my other shepherds, my fellow shepherds, and we were supposed to as it says in the second chapter of Luke, to be sore afraid. So the lines were as follows. Hey, look, an angel, Shepherd 2 said, I am sore afraid. And then Miss Everhart recommended that we bite our nails to show fear. While Marcus Smith stood on a mountain dressed as the angel of the Lord. Now, I don't know how to put this because I know Marcus Smith is watching this today. He sells supplemental insurance. Marcus Smith is not the kind of guy you're afraid of. You see, he was a notorious bedwetter for one thing. <laughs> so standing in front of me, me feigning fear just felt all wrong. And so many of us would take turns saying this line in a quite sarcastic manner. He'd say his line and we'd look at him, we'd go, hey, look, an angel. Oh, I'm so afraid. <laughs> And then we would just laugh and laugh and laugh. Well, that was how our play went. That was how our play went. But I learned the true meaning of Christmas, Anna. I learned the true meaning on one day before the dress rehearsal. When I got a call at my house, and it was Miss Everhart who was telling us about the emergency which had occurred in the fourth grade. It was a big one. It was huge. You never expect these things to happen, but they do eventually. Marcus Smith was playing baseball in his backyard, sliding into first, and he was heel first. You never do such a thing. And his heel hit the bag, which was anchored into the ground, and it shattered his tibia. They say bone was poking through the skin. Awesome. <laughs> he was going to miss months of school, and there was no way on the earth that he could play the angel. And so Miss Everhart called and she asked my mother if I would play the angel of the Lord. And I was standing right there while my mother was holding our kitchen phone with the 140 foot long cord. And I'm nodding and she's saying, can Sean play the angel? I don't know, how many lines does he have? And I'm, I'm listening. She said, turn that TV down. At the time, the facts of life was playing on television. I turned it down, my mother listened, mm-hmm, 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 okay, all right, can you do it? I said, do what? Can you play the angel of the Lord? I'll try. Click, she hung up. I had 24 hours to learn the second chapter of Luke. And so I laid on the carpet of our den while my granny and my mother watched a Fox of Life episode with the King James 1611 Bible slung open, reading the lines. I looked at my granny and said, can you turn it down? She didn't want to turn it down. She loved that show. She loved Tootie the best. 
I tried and tried and tried to memorize that. I really did. I closed my eyes. I tried to drown out the sound of the TV. I listened to the way I thought a Shakespearean actor might say it. And on the night of the performance, I was, I was sick. I was sick to my stomach. I, I, I'm not a natural born performer, and I can see from the looks on many of your faces tonight that you know this. I can hear my guitar player laughing in the background, too. <laughs> I was sick. Oh, man, we walked in. Everybody was dressed up. There was the double-person cow costume. There were the fruits and vegetables of the Lord. Girl in the purple leotard. There was a cactus in the corner. Somebody was dressed up as a California raisin. And I was running these over in my head running these over my head, trying real hard to remember them. Miss Everhart was pacing back and forth. Her hair was a mess. Her eyes had that psychotic look of all fourth grade teachers. <laughs> and there was Mary, oh, looking just, she was the Farrah Fawcett of fourth grade. And my cousin Ed Lee was just standing beside her and he was trying to tell jokes and trying to get her to laugh and she was just not into him, and I'm running these lines over my head. I'm trying to remember what to say. There's a lot of lines, it's three paragraphs. Three paragraphs that I had to memorize. We went out there, the shepherds came walking down, holding their crooks, and then came the fruits and vegetables, and then came the holy couple. They were holding the baby, the little two-year-old niece. She was well-behaved. They got up on to that little barnyard set. They placed her in the hay. And then it was my turn to walk up this little, little mountain that they had built. And I stood up on that mountain. And I started to shake. The shepherd said, look, an angel. Somebody else said, and I am so afraid. And I looked at him and I said, You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life. <laughs> when the boys you used to hate you date, you must investigate the facts of life. The facts of life. When the world never seems to be living up to your dreams, but as you grow, you got to know the facts of life are all about you. <laughs> and I looked down there and I saw Miss Everhart. Her eyes got as big as silver serving platters. She came up onto the stage. She looked around at the audience and it was silence. It really was. I had really, I had really done something terrible. The people in the audience were just, well, it was a lot like being here tonight is what it felt like. <laughs> And I will never forget this as long as I live. Anna from Ann Arbor, Michigan, if you're listening. I will never forget this. Miss Everhart, the beautiful woman that she was. She closed her eyes and she said, Noche de amor, 
Todo duerme en derredor Entre sus astros que esparecen su luz Bella anunciado al niñito Jesús Brilla la estrella de paz Brilla la estrella de paz Thank you for listening to Sean of the South. I've been your host tonight, Sean Dietrich. And man, it has been a bona fide Christmas privilege coming to you live via these podcast airwaves for these last seven years. We've had a little bit of a different Christmas this year, and the shows were different too. But we are grateful to still be here, still trucking along, still 
making music, still telling stories, and hopefully still wearing a smile every now and then. I want to say a special thanks to Aaron Peters, to Caleb Riley, to Billy Howell, and Steve Gilmore for playing behind me. also want to thank you to everybody who attended these private performances and gave us their laughs and their enthusiasm and their kindness. You have no idea how much you mean to me. I hope this world gets back to normal sometime. I don't know how soon or how later it's going to happen, but I do believe it will sooner or later. But until then, please keep strong. Please keep smiling. And in the words of Abraham Lincoln, the best thing about the future is that it only comes one day at a time. To everybody out there who is suffering from isolation and from uninvolvement in their social circles, I want to wish you a happy, happy Christmas and a happy, happy New Year. Please stay safe and please stay happy. Adios.